Bu, founder and president of Cinevision Leadership Foundation. This is a series of best practices for nonprofit leaders. And my guest today is my friend Aaron Young. We're attending a, a business development conference in Las Vegas, and we've been working together all week. And I really respect Aaron for his specialized knowledge with corporations. Now, we all have a nonprofit corporation, and there's some benefits to that, and there's some liabilities with that, and there's some things that maybe we don't know that we don't know. So, Aaron, tell people a little bit about Laughlin Associates, your company, and um, your background. Why do you do this? And a little bit about what Laughlin does so we get the context of your knowledge. Sure, absolutely. So, first of all, I, would, I want to say that I think what Hugh is doing here with Cinevision and all the all the help they're they're giving to nonprofit organizations is great. For the last um, well over 42 years now, Laughlin Associates has been one of the largest incorporation firms in the United States. We form corporations and limited liability companies, limited partnerships, and professional corporations and nonprofit corporations for many many thousands of uh, of business owners and organizations that are out there. We have literally hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits, of five, actually 501c3s and many more not-for-profit companies. Mm -hmm. So we've seen a lot of things that way. We, we've worked with over 100,000 uh, organizations, mostly business owners and entrepreneurs, but also many uh, churches and other good causes that are working with people or the environment and so on. And we've seen a lot of things that work well. We've seen a lot of um, bad things that have happened. And a lot of people, I, I often say when I give talks, a lot of folks come to us in a state of what I call event-driven. Oh. They've been in a bad situation, a bad event, and they say, we never want that to happen again. And so I think um, part of what we'll talk about over these next few minutes, mm -hmm. hopefully we'll be talking about some of the things that we see that organizations fail to do, not because they're trying to do anything wrong, but just because they either don't know how to do it, or they're busy with other things, or maybe they don't even know they're supposed to do it. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then talk about what some of that liability is for not doing it, and really how simple it is to take control of keeping your, your organization safe, keeping your organization um, in good stead with the IRS, keeping your organization in a place where it can receive donations, um, and not lose that opportunity, and not get yourself in a bad situation with any sort of... Um, uh, I guess I would call them three-letter agencies. It could be the IRS or any other number of, uh, of organizations that might uh, might get frustrated. So anyway, 43 years in business, uh, lots and lots of customers, and we, we've always been about a lot of education and then helping, helping these individuals uh, build something that they can scale, make bigger, and, um, and then in the case of the entrepreneurial clients, something, a business that becomes an asset that they can pass down, in the case of our nonprofit customers, something that can stand the test of time and work for over the long haul to help whatever it is that it's organized to help. So that's what we do. Great. I, I believe um, you do work with some, you help companies form their corporation to get started, both the, the entrepreneurs and the nonprofits. Actually. Sure. Yeah. So what, we form business entities. So it doesn't really matter if it's a, for a business enterprise, for a church, for um any number of medical kind of causes, any number of human trafficking and children and disadvantaged people and mm -hmm. homeless. We do all of that sort of thing. Lots and lots of foundations. Um, for some of our wealthier clients, they form foundations and they're trying to aim 
some of their wealth at noble causes, and so we do all, we do all of those sorts of things. So we kind of start at the beginning with people, help them grow, and then help them figure out what to do with their um, whatever the success is. And, and I'm noticing, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm thinking that there's a similarity between the entrepreneurs who have a great idea, haven't done business, and they, they form a company, and then they go they go for it. Yeah. And some nonprofits that have a great philanthropic vision, mm -hmm. and they just want to do it, and they go for it. And I don't guess either side, and I'm one of both sides. Yeah. I'm on both sides of that fence. We don't even know what questions to ask. Yeah, we don't know what we don't know. The, the thing that we see all the time is we, there are all these wonderful people that I meet as I travel around. Every week I'm speaking somewhere. You know, I'm on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I meet great people from all walks of life, and they all... Are, are amazing in their imagination. They've come up with great ideas. They've got big hearts. They they see a great opportunity to solve a problem, whether it's for profit or not for profit. It doesn't really matter. These are really amazing people. Um, the challenge that we see with most of them, almost all of them, is that they're really great at doing some task. They're they're really good technically at doing something. And so if it's raising money for cancer, if it's uh, starting a church, uh, any whatever, if it's uh, trying to work against, I've, I've got human trafficking on the brain because we've got several new clients that are all involved in eradicating human trafficking. It's a big thing. Right. Um, right. We've got a lot of clients right now that are really working with youth who've been marginalized and disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. These are not new ideas, but I've just been talking to folks that are in that mm -hmm. space right now. Well, so they're really good and they're really um, passion-driven and just like business owners, they 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 want to do something and, and and be successful. The challenge is, is that most people don't have any business skill in running a business. And in a nonprofit, so many people that get involved with nonprofits is really because it's a heart-centered thing, you know. And um, in the case of a church, somebody's really good at communicating with youth. They're really good at at teaching a great sermon or working with literacy or working with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a, taking music and bringing positive messages through music. And there's just all this great work that's going on. But folks that are usually focused um, very heavily in the right side of their brain, they're not thinking <laughs> a lot about documenting things and keeping copious records and holding on to receipts and holding on to, you know, having regular, they might have board meetings, but they're not treating them like, a corporate board meeting might be held. Okay, and so I, I do see that a lot of organizations get themselves in a position where they can lose their status. Nonprofit organization, really, can it happens all the time. Who can lose their status? That they get audited. I, the IRS um, is much more likely to audit a nonprofit than a for-profit business. They know that. That's because they don't want people not paying taxes. They want them to pay taxes. So if you're not living up to the charter that they gave you that nonprofit exemption for, they want to they want to rein that back in and start having the revenues come back to the government. Mm -hmm. The government, in its wisdom, has tried to do lots of good social work too, you know. And they may have um, we may agree or disagree with how they do it, but the only way they have to fund all the programs of the government is through tax revenue, mm -hmm. and they will give folks uh, a tax exemption. If they're really adding super good value, and and so most everybody does that, and if they're following all the rules, 
and the rules are written by lawyers. See, almost everybody in Congress is a lawyer. Mm -hmm. It's signed into law by someone who's almost certainly been a lawyer. Mm -hmm. How many of our most recent presidents mm -hmm. have been lawyers? And the ones that are starting to emerge for the next elections are all lawyers. Mm -hmm. And so, and then if you have, a, if you get into a fight over the law and you have to go to somebody to adjudicate it, that person's a lawyer. Everybody sees the rules written in a very specific way mm -hmm. and with very specific obligations that need to be met if you're going to get the benefit of the law, if you're going to get the benefit of the deduction, mm -hmm. the benefit of the Internal Revenue Code. So to be prepared for this situation where you might get audited, yeah. you know, what, are the, what are the reasons that would cause you to lose your exemption and how do you remedy those? Okay, so first of all, the good news is it's really simple. Really? Yeah. So the thing that we see happen so often as it relates to uh -huh. uh, the board of directors and the, ex the tax exemption and so on in nonprofits, the thing we see over and over and over again is the failure to treat the business like a real business. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a not-for-profit business, mm -hmm. they still have obligations to hold regular board meetings, not once a year, not once a quarter, but regular board meetings. They need to have minutes of those meetings. They need to pass appropriate resolutions for decisions that are being made. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they, they need to be keeping good, good corporate formalities. Now, if you're in a great big, if you're the American Red Cross, You've got a, a very sophisticated board of directors and a very sophisticated, probably an attorney who's serving as the board secretary, and they know precisely what to do. Mm -hmm. But there are hundreds of thousands of nonprofit organizations that are pretty small. Somebody's trying to take care of um, animal cruelty. Somebody's working with youth in their community. Somebody's started a church, and they've got, you know, 300 or 500 or 1,000 people coming to the church, and the, and the darn pastor is just working 23 and a half hours a day, mm -hmm. right? They're just, mm -hmm. they, they are, they're always needing money. They're always, they've always got more opportunity than they have funds to right. service the opportunity. Right. And they're just, frankly, not thinking about sitting down and having a, a, a board of directors meeting and then following all these things. If you don't do it, then you're completely out of out of sync with the government. And if you're audited, they will open your corporate record book. And if they see that things are done improperly or not at all, they will close it up and say, you're going to be losing your tax exempt status. And I've seen it happen a number of times. That's pretty severe. There's, there's, pretty no, there's no warning? Well, there's no warning. The warning is you get the audit notice. <laughs> the warning is you get the audit notice, and if you don't have your records in order, you can try to fake them. You can try to go and I've seen crazy stuff like people wrinkle papers and put coffee cups on them to make a mark or try different ink. Or uh, It's completely illegal and completely inappropriate and um, nobody should do it and I especially hope churches would never do such a thing. But I'll tell you, the IRS is pretty darn savvy to this work and they can tell if you have established a pattern of acting in such a way as good stewards of this organization. And we they know it's not it's not designed to be for the benefit of the leader, mm -hmm. but the leaders are quite often making a living. Some of them aren't making much and some of them are making a lot. I see some people who have tax exempt status who run 
enormous organizations and are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation for being there and have lots of stuff they're trying to do. I've seen I've seen gigantic mega churches just crash and burn and lose everything they've got because they just didn't follow the simple to follow formalities. And I hate to beat this to death, but it's critically important if you're going to be doing your good work to make sure you also are dotting your I's, crossing your T's. And we probably, unless we know somebody, don't hear about that. That doesn't make the front page of the newspaper. No, well, no. I mean, unless they're famous. If you had a, you know, Crystal Cathedral. Well, actually, it happened to Crystal Cathedral, didn't it? Yeah, it, yeah I, was a, I didn't mean to say that one, but that, yeah, it's a good example. If you're something super famous, maybe it'll make the paper. But the fact is, is that most of the nonprofits that I've ever run across, even ones that are pretty successful, like I'm, I live in a medium-sized city, Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I'm not saying these organizations have problems. I'm saying that you've got theaters, you've got the ballet, the symphony, and other nonprofits like that who have um, really successful people on their boards, but they're not always following really detailed parliamentary procedure. How do we find out what is there a checklist of what you should do and shouldn't do? There are a number of um, templates on the internet. You can go, you can read about it, uh, you can hire an attorney, and they can help you. And um, while this isn't intended to be any sort of a sales promotion for our company, we do, we've been doing this for thousands of companies for. I thought you were going to say thousands of years. <laughs> thousands of companies for millions of years. No, thousands of companies for, for five decades. Well, that's why you're here. I mean, you're, you know what this is. That's why I'm at this event. That's why I'm here as a speaker. Right. That's why I travel the country and, and give talks to business owners and, and all kinds of organizations is because we've, we've been successful at taking care of lost people. And, you know, it's utter, let me just tell you, folks, it's utterly in your reach to get this done. This isn't a big owner's thing. This isn't thousands and thousands of dollars. This is either one, get a really good, competent attorney, maybe a, maybe an accountant, but attorney would be a, an ideal solution, okay. um, or a paralegal who's had experience that way. It's somebody like that as your board secretary who knows what to do. That would be the first thing to do. Um, if, you're, if you've been deficient, haven't been doing it for years, then you need to go back and with somebody who has competency in that area, go back to the beginning and methodically identify at least the highlights of decisions that have been made year over year, ratify the decisions of the board from those years, and do that until you get caught up, and then make a real effort to, at least on a monthly basis, go in and, uh, and organize uh, minutes and specifically resolutions the decisions that were made. If you look at your charter, it'll say that there needs to be a resolution written, passed, and written at or near the time of any significant decision. Now, significant decision doesn't mean we went down by Dixie Cups at the Walmart. Mm -hmm. That's not a significant decision. Mm -hmm. But changing accountants, um, uh, giving somebody a, a bonus, any sort of bonus for any of your people, um, making loans, taking loans, um, adding new officers, adding new directors, um, leasing space. There's hundreds of things. There's hundreds of things that have to be documented properly. And most of us don't even have a clue past maybe four or five we could guess at. Sure. Um, filing your 990 with the IRS is mandatory now, even if you had little income. 
but these other things kind of get lost in the shuffle. Filing your annual report with the, the, the state where you reside. Now, um, having yeah, falling out of out of good standing with your state. Yes. If you go out of good standing with your state, yes, is an automatic piercing your corporate veil. So if they come back and say, "Well, look at how many you you were six months out of good standing, you weren't acting like a legitimate or a legitimate business, even if it's a nonprofit," they say, "You're not you're not acting as a good steward." And that can be reason enough right there to lose your, your standings at 501c3. That's amazing. Just and it goes on and on and on. I could tell you lots of stories. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, you, um, you're here because you run a company that takes care of these things, a law firm company, and that, um, that's listed at the bottom of this interview. Um, that's, Thank that, you. That's, well, you're an expert in this, and I, I interview experts because it makes me look better. But also, <laughs> I've learned a whole lot in this series of interviews. I go, uh-oh, I better change my ways. Okay. So I'm like everybody else. i got to, hmm, here's some details I need to pay attention to. Sure. Um, so you mentioned the corporate veil. Mm -hmm. Explain that a little bit. Maybe some people don't exactly know what a corporate veil is and why it's important and why you don't want to pierce that. Okay. So... The reason that we form business entities in the first place is to separate out the owner or the, the one in charge from the enterprise itself. And what we know in the business world is that four, that used to be four out of five, actually now it's closer to five out of six companies will fail in the first five years. Mm. Okay. The United States government and your state governments understand that the vast majority of the population is never going to have the, the um, tolerance for risk, the um, particular skill set, te uh, technical ability, whatever. They're not going to start a business. They're not going to start a 501c3. They're not going to do a nonprofit. Most people drift through life. And actually, that's one of the reasons we need organizations to rally people because most people aren't thinking about how can I mm -hmm. help. How can I make my community better, my environment better, my spirituality better? We're not thinking about those things. We're just thinking about, I need to go get a Slurpee at 7-Eleven, right? <laughs> you know, what's on TV tonight, right? Yeah. I can't wait. It's 5 o'clock. i got to get out of here, right, and go hang out. So there's just a little tiny sliver of the, of the population of our 320 million people that are willing to take the risk to start something and then to work their tails off to make it uh, successful. The government knows that, and they also know that most people are going to fail. But here's what I'll tell you, and Hugh, you know this. Even these people, and I meet them all the time, and they're my clients, so I know what I'm talking about here. I've been doing this for a long time. Even if, you're, if you've got this colossal failure on your hands, and you're just going down in flames, and you can see the ground coming up towards you, and you know... That this you, this thing you built is just getting ready to get disintegrated all over the ground. It doesn't matter. Even as you're going down in flames, you're saying, you know, I've got this other idea that I think would be really great. Is this true? It's absolutely. We're true. we're here with hundreds of people that are talking. They're all entrepreneurs, right? Right. It's amazing that the creativity and the tolerance for risk and the and the the desire to, even after a failure, to get up and dust themselves off and try again. Mm -hmm. So the government protects people like that. They give them things called corporations and limited liability companies. And corporations can have a 501c3 status, and that's great. So they give you protection from this 
enterprise that you're engaged in. The protection is called a corporate veil, and that's what keeps us, the ones that are that are either owning or are running, you know, or the, or the uh, beneficial owner, let's call it, of the organization, keep us separate from all, of, as a human being, separate from all the liabilities of the company. And it also keeps the company separate from us. So if we have a problem, if I go out and do something, um, you know, to use a, uh, hopefully not an inappropriate thing, but if there's a, if there was a leader of a church that um, was accused of inappropriate sexual relations with somebody, you know, they're, they're a youth pastor and something happens that way or there's, something happens, I don't mean to scandal, I mean a breaking the law, right? breaking the law, so you've got a youth and an adult or something like that. Well, if you're organized properly, even if that, um, let's call it the youth minister just for an example, if that person has a criminal problem, that doesn't mean the entire church has to be taken down by that problem. Okay. Right? We start to accept now the church may have some liability, they may have some insurance problem there, but you just don't you don't have to have everything that happens with one individual take the whole organization down. And and also if that person goes out and does something outside of their obligation, say they hit somebody, you know, they get in a car accident, they rear in somebody. And as long as they're not driving the, the church's vehicle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That accident and whatever claim that the person that got rear-ended and now their neck is all sore, that doesn't have to come back and and bleed into the church. Okay. Uh, we see it all the time. We've got to keep this line between the organization and the human being that's in charge of it. And the board. Well, and the board. See, most boards don't understand, especially especially in nonprofits. So here, I'll look right at you. Especially in nonprofits. Um, in churches, you usually have upstanding members of the congregation who are willing to get in there, roll up their sleeves, and do work that end up on the board. In other organizations, like let's say the symphony, the theater company, the ballet, the, the uh, medical, you know, like let's say like the Red Cross, um, you have people that are invited onto the board almost exclusively to help raise money for the organization. That's the main job. When you come on to the ballet's board of directors, they're expecting you to not only contribute at a certain level yourself, but also to be bringing other people to buy season memberships and so on. It's just what it is. Most of those people are lovers of the arts, lovers of the church, not seasoned business people. And even if they are, they're usually older, retired, they have time to do this, and really the organization is looking for the, the money. They need the money to come in. Mm -hmm. Every board I've ever sat on that was a nonprofit, every meeting is talking about we need more money, we're running behind, we're in the red, what are we going to do to bring in more stuff? Even if they're, they appear to be thriving on the outside. Mm -hmm. Is this familiar to you? It's very familiar. Okay. What most board members don't understand is that by going onto the actual board of directors, not some advisory board, not some not some ancillary thing, but when you're on the board of directors and you're a director of the organization, you now are also liable for the challenges of the organization. So if there is a lawsuit that comes in and it does come in and hit the company, it does hit the the church or the or the whatever the cause is, um, the board members are all going to be named. Now, hopefully the organization has insurance for a board member. But a That's lot of special, them, a special insurance, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's specialized insurance just for the board. Okay. Director yeah. and... Uh, so there's officer, director insurance, and there's there's also 
uh, insurance for boards of directors. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, we say DNO, director and officers. But there's also some. There's also a further kind of insurance that protects boards of directors. The challenge, no directors. What am I saying? Directors, officers. Core. I'm sorry. I totally misspoke. Yes, DNO insurance covers the directors. So my point is, a lot of a lot of smaller organizations, they don't have a lot of money, and they even will say, we don't have any insurance. We don't. We just don't have that right now. We can't. And it's kind of expensive insurance. Is it? Yes, it is. And so a lot of organizations don't buy it because it's an onerous cost at a time when they're trying to say, well, we could feed you know this many more people, or we could have this much more stuff for the youth, or we could get this many more inoculations then, right? We could buy this many more books, or go into this many more prisons and help with people. Whatever. They don't do it. So if the organization is sued and loses. The judgment can come back and haunt not just the organization, but also anybody that's on the board of directors. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and I think most people are so honored and humbled that they would be invited onto a board and they see it as a prestigious thing. Certainly, we put it on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, we let people know, hey, I'm on the board of directors of this cool thing. It's part of our resume. It's, and really, that's why they get people who they want to be helping to collect money. The reason they put you on the board because they're saying we'll trade our prestige for you helping with money. That's the whole reason. Otherwise, there's really no reason to have those board of directors members there because they, the church can run off just fine or the fine without all these people. Right. Right. They're doing it. They're trading prestige for money, right. and most of the board members have no clue what their liability is, and. Uh, if you're in a bigger organization, you're probably fine. But if you're in a medium to small organization, the ones that I see regularly lose their status, mm -hmm. you're almost certainly not covered. Got it. Got it. I'm a gloom and doom kind of guy. I feel like there's a lot of good things that go on too. We just want to make sure that when, as you do all your good work, as you're out there making a difference in your community, that you know you can also sleep well at night. Well, your your doctor has given us prescription to get healthy when we're not healthy, and so it's a little medicine that we really need it. Yeah, well, we at least need a checkup. Yes, sir. We at least need the checkup to make sure where we are. And if your organization is doing well, good. I mean, that's fab. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, you know, it's kind of like the policeman who pulls somebody over and they're so cautious as they come up to the car. It's because they don't know what they're gonna run into because they've seen a lot of bad stuff. Quite often, the people that come and talk to me uh, are not the ones that where everything's okay. They're the ones that come up and something bad's going on, and then they want to grab me and say, and a lot of times in tears, and say, let me tell you what's happened, and I know it's my fault, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm in this bad situation. Right. Right. And so I, I see these sad situations, and I'm thinking, you know, there's no reason that you ever have to be in that position. You can utterly afford to get the work done. All you have to do is pay attention to it. It's not hard to do. You just have to do it. Well, knowing you, you've helped me know what kind of questions that I should ask, and that's very helpful. So it's it's may sound like doom and gloom, but it's it's the word of caution from somebody who sits in the seat and you see the liabilities yeah. from from all of these. And I like the part where you said it wasn't difficult. It's easy to fix. So having Having a paralegal or a lawyer 
on your board to be mm -hmm. to be the secretary. It's a great way to do it. Right. Uh, Laughlin Company, uh, companies like Laughlin and Associates, um, take care of those things. Yeah. And the, and you ask us questions. We don't have to think. We're about it. it's a do it for you service. So what what we do, and I can't speak to what anybody else does. If you're not actually in the room, what we need to do and see the companies that we work with are mostly smaller nonprofits, right? There's just a few people on the board, or maybe there's only one person on the board. Correct. And so in that situation, especially if there's only one person on the board, if it's a small organization that's being really run by one person, they've got some volunteers that are helping, and we see that a lot, and that's truthfully what most nonprofit organizations are. Mm -hmm. um, what we do is we talk to you on the phone, we interview you every month and ask a bunch of questions and come to the conclusion of, okay, those things need to be documented. We create the documents, send it back to you digitally, you sign them and put them in your corporate record book, you're good to go. Um, even if you knew exactly what to do um, from a corporate formality standpoint, if you're a one-person board of directors, the idea of having a formal meeting and calling it to order and then taking role and then saying, let's review last time's minutes, you know, and you just don't do that because it would feel like somebody's going to go lock you up in a, in a rubber room. You just do make you, I mean, you know what I mean? I Hi, let's, let's, I'm, call, I'm here, you know, yeah. okay, we have a full quorum. Okay, it just would be insanity. Aaron, call yourself to order. Yeah, I'm here, and uh, okay, good. So, uh, first, you know, motion, second. Anyway, it would be silly. It'd be schizophrenic. It doesn't change the fact that it has to be done. It doesn't change the fact that you have the obligation by law to do it. It doesn't change the fact that the IRS, who's given you the tax-exempt status, will say, if you don't follow the rules, you don't get the benefit. And they're not, they're not like all warm and fuzzy about this stuff. It's very black and white. You've either done it or not done it. If you've done it, you're fine. If you haven't done it, you have no promise. And so that's it. I mean, you've got to do the work. This has been very educational. It's been very educational. I hope you have found something here that is uh, best practices you want to put in your list of best practices to make sure that you keep up with. Aaron Young, this has been, even though it was doom and gloom, it's been very good. It's been very good. And I can see your passion for taking care of things the right way. Um, so thank you for that because it does us a lot of good in the entrepreneurial community and in the nonprofit world. Um, it's so needed. So yeah. Thank you for sharing all your secrets with us. and. For, for sharing with uh, nonprofit leaders all over the globe. This is going public. So your face is everywhere. I want to just tell you folks that are watching this, um, when you invited me to come do this, we do, I, I speak mostly to for-profit businesses. Mm -hmm. um, really close to 100,000 people a year in all the speaking I do. And I just want to tell you that the people that I meet that are working on nonprofit programs, are some of the finest people that I've met anywhere. And I, we want, as, as um, entrepreneurs, as business owners, as members of the community, we rely on you folks for the work that you do to keep, we can't rely on the government to do all this stuff. We really have to rely on the grassroots members of our community, members of our state, of our region, of our countries, of our world to do this hard work. And oftentimes it's kind of, it can be gritty, it can be, it can be dealing with pretty difficult areas of our society. So we're grateful for you. We want you to be safe. We want you, your good works to go on. And um, I just want to say, as somebody who 
is able to be a beneficiary of the community that, that is benefited by you. I'm just grateful for your work. And let us help you either through just telling you where to go get resources or you know, if, if you wanted us to work with you, that's great too. All I'm saying is good for you for the work you're doing and, and we as a nation really do appreciate it. And we appreciate you for being here and sharing this knowledge. Thank you, Aaron Young. Look below this video and you'll see what's coming up next. It's a whole series of people like this who have specialized knowledge in our series of best practices. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.